0: Hey guys, my name is Darren and I live in the occupied lands known as Arizona.
1: Hola, me llamo Jimena. Hello, my name is Jimena, and I'm coming to you live from Portland, Oregon. So, talk climate change to me.
0: Did you know communities of color experience disproportionate exposure to toxicity? Race is the number one indicator for the placement of toxic facilities in the United States.
1: So, one of the major topics that has been in the news lately is race and the disproportionate ways in which the color of your skin will impact your life. And we're going to be talking to you today about how environmental racism exists and is a prevalent problem in communities of color.
0: Yes, and I think it's kind of important to talk about where the term environmental justice and environmental racism comes from and where the evidence came from, I guess you could say. So evidence of environmental racism came to light in the 80s and 90s when Walt, Walter von Troy, a delegate for the District of Columbia and chair of the Congressional Black Caucus, tasked the Congress General Accounting Office with studying the location of hazardous waste landfills in proximity to communities of color. The study, which was published in 1983, found that three quarters of hazardous waste land sites in eight southern states were located in poor black and latinx communities the strong correlation between race and the location of hazardous waste sites was a cumulative cumulative result of racist local state and federal land use policies
1: yeah and the way that we're seeing it continue to play out today is not only are these communities still being disproportionately affected because uh other studies since then have also been made where they find that The biggest polluters are located nearest to low-income communities, but also with the COVID-19 crisis that has been going on, some of the most vulnerable communities that have been largely impacted are Flint, Michigan, and the Navajo Nation, who both have a very... a very common problem where they have a lack of access to clean water and this is also affected not only by race and social economic status but also because systems have been put in place that have allowed all of this to happen
0: yeah and it's a really big problem like if you in terms of Like the Navajo Nation and other Native communities, the way that things have panned out for us are very different compared to communities of color within cities. Um, Not to say that one's more important than the other, because that's not the case at all. Um, But obviously, everybody knows, or if you don't, you're going to know now. Um, We were put onto reservations because we were... The colonial governments like the U.S. government was trying to basically confine us to certain areas so they could take our land. And the areas that they put us in were not uh, in the best condition to support us. Um, Luckily, the Navajo Nation, we signed the Treaty of 1868, which allowed us to go back to our traditional territories, which is why we're in the lands that we're at now. Um, But it's not a coincidence that we're where we're at and we are faced with the problems that we are facing. Um, Which I guess one of the, which maybe you may not not know this, but one of the things, an environmental racist thing that happened to us, which was I think in the nineties or maybe before that um, there was uranium mining, which polluted a lot of the water on the reservation. So there are some wells that you can't use because the land is polluted with Uh, radiation.
1: And bringing it back to Flint, one of the biggest problems, well, the main thing that started the issues in Flint is that they wanted to take the water supply or they wanted to cut costs from their water supply by shifting it to the Flint River, which was known to be polluted, which there was a stories about it catching on fire. And the government thought that it would be a good idea to switch their water supply temporarily to cut costs. And they didn't tell anybody. And then when people started wondering why their water was looking murky and weird and why it hurt their skin, they did denied it until they couldn't deny it anymore. And like the systems that have been put in place, like of course they, they impact the Navajo nation, man, like if there is a group on this planet who should be pissed at the government, it is 100% the Navajo nation. And like, obviously the black community, as we have been seeing all these protests going around and just to like veer off this for a little bit. Like this government is so lucky that all people are fighting for right now. And all that we really want is equality and not revenge because the Navajo, like not even just the Navajo Nation, but like indigenous people as a collective and black people as a collective should be pissed. like the systematic racism or the systemic racism that has plagued this country and that has been the foundation through which we built this country is so disgusting (laughs) and literally all of these protests that are happening right now are happening because people just want equality We want equity. We want to be recognized as equal. Like there have been so many posts online where you can compare a white person getting incarcerated to a black person getting incarcerated. And like 10 out of 10 times, the person who is black or of color gets a higher sentence. And so like these, these issues, they all go hand in hand, systematic, systemic racism and uh, environmental racism. It all goes hand in hand, because if you're putting somebody in a position to be more exposed to things like lead, lead actually has um, has an impact on your brain that makes it a lot uh, easier for uh, what is it? It's like the impact that it has on your brain is that it makes you get more angry And so you have a hard time control, harder time controlling your emotions. And so people of color, primarily black people, are usually more, usually have higher concentrations of lead in their system. And therefore, they're angrier people and they're already seen in the eyes of everybody else because of systemic racism as angry people so people just correlate that and think oh they're just poor or they're just this or that and they just write it off but there's the ways in which the environment that they grow up around highly impacts the way that they develop as adults and that's what people are failing to see like you could see a graph of the number of people that have been incarcerated or murdered by cops Mm -hmm. or whatever and say oh the numbers of white and black or like nearly equal, like whatever. But when you take into account the percentage of the population that is white versus the percentage of the population that is black... There's disparities, and you can tell because the rate at which they are getting incarcerated or getting killed by cops should be a lot lower if it truly was equal. And so that, like, again, like this all goes hand in hand: systematic, ra- systemic racism, and uh, racial and environmental racism. Like it all, it's all one. It's all one side of the same coin.
0: No, it is racism is a public health issue. Racism is a sustainability issue, uh, and racism is a very, very, very large factor within the climate crisis. Which I think a lot of people don't really make that correlation. Um, Like I, I made it. I tweeted that like I think a few days ago uh, because I barely got back on Twitter. Oh, I was about to say you got back
1: on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I got back on, but I'm not really like I'm not I'm on, but like I'm not if that makes any sense. Like I'm literally just like posting stuff, but like I'm not scrolling like I post stuff and then I get off because um, I'm still trying to like recover mentally from a lot of stuff that I went through a few weeks ago and social media wasn't really helping. But um, yeah, like I posted it and I did see like obviously the notifications of people like engaging with it. Uh, and a lot of people were saying that they never had they never um, correlated racism with the climate crisis until recently. And I feel like it's starting to become a bigger thing that people now are starting to realize that racism is an aspect of the climate crisis. And it's not something that should be handled like separately or addressed separately because everything's interconnected, you know, Um, which I think uh, people are slowly starting to wake up uh, to. um, And regarding to like the, current circumstances with the black community and what just happened, which was horrendous. um, I think that this is a really big moment because uh, at least in my eyes, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people say it because it seems that there's a lot of activism going on. Like the black community has done a really, really, really amazing job at making sure that people know about this stuff and I commend them for it. And I just think it's really, really disgusting and really sad that this even has to be a thing. Um, but one of the things that I noticed here in Phoenix is like literally, uh, every time that there's been like a social issue that people are protesting in other cities about, I have never seen people protest like within my neighborhood. And I've lived in this out of town for a while. I lived on the other side of Phoenix and I've never seen people doing that. I've always seen it downtown, but literally right down the street for me, um, people were standing on like just the corner of the streets with signs saying like black lives matter and like say their names and all this stuff. And that was, I believe that that's a big thing. Um, because like I said, I've never seen that before. The only time that I ever saw it was like this movement called red for ED, which like it was a school public school thing. I don't really know what it was, but, and it was only a bunch of like older, like white ladies suburban moms that kind of stuff but here there's a lot of people and like i saw like a lot of them were white, um, white, which I'm assuming they're white allies. Um, and they were there with their kids and stuff. And I was like, this is a good thing because people are actually like standing here and t- like making sure that people know what's going on. And I went to Walmart and there was cars that had like stuff written on it. Like black lives matter, say their names had all the names written down. Like the back of my car, I have black lives, uh, matter written in Navajo and in English. Um, and like, I'm just hoping that this moment is going to actually bring about some type of changes. Obviously, the whole police state isn't going to get dismantled because they're not. I I want them to do that, but realistically, they're most likely not going to. But I really, really hope that it makes the it pushes for the changes that we really need to eventually get the police state dismantled.
1: Yeah, well, so far I've seen, like, some positive things coming out of different states. Like, for example, here in Portland, they um, they took out the armed police officers from Portland public schools, which, like, is good to know. But also, like, they had armed police officers in Portland public schools. Like, that is so disgusting. But it's good to know that they're now out of it. Um, and yeah. I did hear that... I believe it was in Minneapolis that a veto majority, um, veto veto majority. I don't know if it was uh, what what is their government it's some government um, is it
0: the city council city
1: council yes the veto majority city council agreed to disband the police force and they haven't issued specifics on what they're planning on doing yet but from what I understand they're going to minimize their funding for police and they're going to create new programs that will better handle certain situations and give some of that money to um, to social services, and so again, like they haven't said specifics, but even that's that commitment is a huge step, and we are seeing like. <laughs> in Louisville, Kentucky, where uh, Brianna Taylor was murdered, they banned no-knock warrants. And so, like, things are happening, so it's good that people are still out there protesting. I think today is, like, day 11 or something like that, and I hope they... I'm getting
0: out there tomorrow.
1: <laughs> yes! <laughs> 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 it, it, that's good. Like, we, we need people to keep going out so that way people can, like, go home, take a rest while other people go out because as long as there's people On the streets that are chanting this and saying that they want change, the government has literally no choice but to listen. Like, this is a big issue that clearly a lot of people in all 50 states are chanting about. And when was the last time that all 50 states were able to agree on something? Like, you can't. I
0: don't even know.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Like, not all 50 states wanted gay rights or abortion rights or anything, but all. 50 states have come together and said like we're done with this racist bullshit even the NFL came out and issued an apology they haven't apologized to Colin Kaepernick but they have like sided with the Black Lives Matter movement and so I think just like the NFL even NASCAR you know NASCAR's demographic
0: yeah <laughs> even- when you said NASCAR I was like what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm shook
1: Even there are for the Black Lives Matter movement. So like this is a historic moment that we're going to be telling our kids about in the future because a lot of change is happening right now. And of course, like with all this great, it's not all great because people have lost their lives. People have lost their eyes. People are in critical condition. Like there's so much ugly in the world, but it's good to know that if enough positive change happens, that it wasn't in vain. It wasn't for nothing. And so they will be celebrated.
0: Yeah, no, I like I said, I commend everybody who's out there on the front lines doing the actual work. Um, I wish I could be out there doing stuff um, or at least doing something like I don't. I think we've talked about this in the last episode. I'm without a job right now. So like I, I, there's only, I'm super limited on what I can do. um, But I like, that's why I'm going out tomorrow. I'm literally just going down the street to where people are protesting. Uh, Me and my boyfriend are actually going like, I think I'm going to, I'm trying to make like a huge sign. So that way it's like in everyone's faces, like big. Yes. Um, But... Yeah. So, like, I don't know. I just I commend all the, I commend everybody who's out there because that's a really big sacrifice. Um, and especially like I would just like to send my condolences out to the black community for everybody who has been lost um, due to police murders. Um, and I really hope that we that the changes that we need will happen now.
1: I mean, right now, all we can do is put it out there and just like hope and pray that things get better.
0: I know. And like um, the other thing is like that. I think we talked about like environmental racism with the water in Flint and how it's affecting like black communities and stuff. Um, I feel like that's something that a lot of people don't really. So in my experience, um, as far as like living I what am I trying to say? I grew up in, so I grew up in the city. Um, I've only ever lived in cities. I've never lived in a rural area. I don't know what that's like. Um, and so for me, I was always used to having clean running water. And so growing up and being naive i just assumed that everybody had that you know um that was just an assumption that i had made when i was younger um and when i heard about flint the first time that it became like public i had assumed that things had gotten better because i stopped hearing about it which was my fault because i wasn't you know trying to stay educated on what was going on um uh, which i do now but so I'd assume that it had gotten better. Um, and then when I moved to Arizona and I was here uh, when I really started to do the work to reconnect with my tribe and I met like other Navajos and I started really learning about the issues that we were facing and how I could help um, and be like a good, I guess, uh I'm not even going to try to say it because my pronunciation of Navajo words is not that great and I don't want to sound like I'm dumb. So I'm not going to say it. But basically, I just want to be like a good community member. Um, And so basically, like I when I first found out about the water situation, I was like in shock because of the fact that like Phoenix, we're the fifth largest city in the country. Uh, I think we just passed Pittsburgh. Or maybe before. I don't know. I just know where I think we're like the, I think we're, I'm pretty sure we're the fifth largest city in the country. Um, and we get 50% of our water from groundwater resources. And then the rest is hauled in from other places. And like a big portion of that is from Lake Mead. So like, you know, I just assume that we would get, we would get some of that water because of the fact that like, uh, what am I trying to say? There's like, um, it has to do with the water rights out here. It's very different than out in the, east coast and like something that i guess you can kind of bring up to get a better understanding of it is there was um a navajo gallup water supply project which gallup is a border town in new mexico right um and It was coming up because of it was part of a 2010 settlement between the Navajo Nation and the state of New Mexico, uh, which is over the tribe's 900,000 acres feet of unclaimed San Juan River water rights. Um, But there was only a small percentage that will reach Navajos on the reservation. And so based on those water rights, that is the same thing that applies to rivers in Arizona, on the Arizona side. So I was under the assumption that all that water was going to them. So based on that, and then before, I thought things had gotten better in Flint. So I had made the assumption that they had access to clean water and all of these things. Um, And I just lost my train of thought about where I was going. This (laughs) happens to me all the time. It's so annoying. And I have like such a good point that I'm going to get to. And I always forget. Um, Uh, Water rights? Yeah, water rights. And I don't remember. Basically,
1: access to to water was your...
0: Was my thing, right? Yeah. That's what I was talking about? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, well, I'm just going to go off of this because I just I think I just went on a tangent and then came onto this topic and I don't even know where I'm going with this. But anyways, yeah. So like I... Um, oh yeah, there we go. So I had assumed that all the water that like Phoenix would be getting based on the way that it was allocated from my understanding, I would have... a, I would have... I assumed that the same thing was going to the Navajo Nation. So when I found out about... The water issues and everything, um, I was kind of in shock. I was kind of in shock. And then I had friends whose families dealt with this and who grew up not having running water and having to haul in water. And it was... It was shocking to me because I had never known anybody. I had never met anyone who had dealt with that. That was something that I had always just like read on the news or like seen on Twitter or watched in a documentary. Like, I didn't know anybody that was affected like this. And you can be aware of these things, but until you either know somebody who has experienced this or have worked with the community who has experienced this or you have experienced it yourself um it doesn't really click you know yeah and it's 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 weird because i i don't know i was just kind of shocked about it um and now i've uh i've tr- i try to help however i can like donating the parts of the proceeds that i make from the earrings that i sell um things like that um and like i'm not sure about any uh, like I guess um, services that are going on with Flint I know that there's a lot that there's services that are happening because of it obviously they're probably not the best but um, just like ours um, yeah, yeah
1: I was having a really hard time because I really wanted to link or direct people to resources to help Flint but I couldn't find any all I could find is that they the program that they currently have is that they They have, like, water distribution centers where people can go and pick up, like, uh, water bottles and stuff. And since Mm -hmm. the COVID crisis started, uh, their volunteering numbers have gone down significantly. And so now people are waiting a lot longer to get access to water. I know I've heard about this. I've read about it. But just, like, put yourself in a situation where you're having to wait hours just to get water, like... (laughs) Uh, It just it honestly breaks my heart and the amount of plastic that they use also breaks my heart. But I know that's a lesser problem in this situation.
0: (laughs) I know. But like, I don't know, this whole thing is just really I, I get overwhelmed thinking about it because I'm the kind of person that wants to save the world, you know, Um And like, just to put the Navajo water project, the Navajo water crisis in context for some people who are unaware. Uh, So the Navajo Nation is the size of West Virginia. Okay, it's it's very big. Um, It spans across 13 counties in New Mexico, Arizona and Utah. And so when you think of that size or just picture that size in your mind and 40 percent of homes in that area Lack running water or sanitation, which is why, or which is a leading cause, as to why we have the highest COVID cases in what is currently referred to as the U.S. Um, and the only there's like I know the, so there's the Dig Deep Foundation. You can go to digdeep.com. They that's a very large resource to help fix the water issue going on in the Navajo Nation. Um, but we also there also is a lady. Um, her name's Darlene Arviso. Uh, she's also known as a water lady. She's in—I don't—I don't know if I'm gonna pronounce this right, but Thoreau, New Mexico. Um, I'm not from that area, so I don't even know if that's right. But she's from that region, and she's amazing. Um, and she uses a truck with a 3,500-gallon tank that she fills with water, and then she drives out to various houses to supply water to people who don't have it. And if you think about that, if you think about the fact that people have to be bringing in plastic water bottles to Flint just so they can have access to clean water, it's just like, I don't like, it doesn't make sense to me why this is still a thing, you know, because it's like once people like, I don't know, it's just it's dumb to me. Uh, But if you kind of think about it, these two communities that aren't getting a whole lot of access to water. Obviously their health is being impacted by it. So in a way it's, it it is an environmental race. It's what am I trying to say? It's like, um, injustice. Yes, there you go. It's an, it's an environmental injustice because they are, well, like our, I'm just gonna say our as a giant community. Um, basically like our community members are getting sick um, especially because of like, you know, COVID that's a a big thing right now. Um, but then you also have diarrhea, which maybe people think is not a big deal, but diarrhea is usually is caused by a lack of safe drinking water. And it's one of the top 10 causes of death in the world. I did which not is- know that. Yeah, and it's crazy, and like that's something that happens in communities in the U.S. who don't have access to clean water, like like the Navajo Nation or Dinétah, and like Flint, Michigan, and these are things that people don't even talk about, you know, and like dirty water, which is another thing that some people have to drink, which is what happened in Flint, right, with the lead, yeah, and then also like in the Navajo Nation with the um, uranium mining, which there's a lot of people with cancer because of it and a lot of people don't know this like I did a project uh like I think I was a sophomore going into junior year on it it was like in my sustainable uh world class and I had to talk about the Paula Verde nuclear power plant which is like half an hour from Phoenix which is crazy to me but I had to talk about that issue and people had no idea and I was just like oh my god and like a friend of mine his grandpa has cancer because of this and it's like it's it's crazy because they they were drinking water because obviously water is life. That's something that we need, um, and that they were drinking what they had, and like that. Obviously, dirty water can cause even more health issues, like I just talked about, um, and like. In addition, economic conditions in both of these communities aren't that great. So when you have lack of access to water or water that's unsafe for drinking, it's going to carry a lot of ranges for serious illnesses, which is going to make it more difficult for these community members to like to work, just even to live for kids to attend school. Like, it's just there's a whole lot of issues that I don't think people think about when it comes to lack of access to water, you know?
1: Yeah, it's like it's a very dense issue that has a lot of um the the metaphor that i'm like thinking of is like lack of access to uh clean running water isn't like you're driving in a car and you popped a tire it's like you fucked up your engine
0: yeah exactly and um and like and I'll, i'm pretty sure so, one, they don't coller- correlate this with like community health, public health, right? Um, and then the other thing is having lack of access to water increases habitat loss and destruction to ecosystems. Because, like, when water is scarce, usually that means that like landscapes suffer the most because it like contributes to like desert, desertification, and loss of plants and like death of wildlife and other animals. So, basically, like, increasing the sixth mass extinction that we're or fueling the sixth mass extinction that we're like experiencing right now which is like an environmental catastrophe which creates habitat loss and leads to food food shortages and loss of life and poor quality of life and all these things and there's so much like issues that stem from lack of access to water that i'm sure people don't even think about you know like i didn't even think about this until recently
1: Yeah, like this is like we can get really depressing, literally just talking on the subject of water.
0: I know, but we got to keep it together because, you know, we got to educate people who don't know. Um, And hopefully I'm not. We're not using too large of words that you may not be able to understand. Um, I'm still working on trying not to to use like academic language when I'm talking to like non-academic people, because I know it's not really accessible to a lot of people. So, like, I'm trying. I'm sorry.
1: I, I, I think it's understandable. And if not, we just expanded somebody's vocabulary you got to think true. on the positive this
0: very side true. <laughs> this is very very true i am your professor today yes. <laughs> professor Lieberman. um what's it called but oh another thing is community safety which m- people may not think ha- like has anything to do with like access to clean water but the lack of clean drinking water can affect safety for like an entire community. Um, So like sources of clean drinking water are often located far away from communities that need them. So like in Flint or like Navajo Nation. Um, And one of the biggest things that from what I've read um, is there's a lot of women and children who will go out. Like, in our case, we'll go out to, like, get water, to haul water. And um, within the Indigenous community, we have a pandemic, uh, the missing and murdered Indigenous women and um, girls in Two-Spirit. And basically, like... Um, Nate, indigenous women go missing at higher rates than any other ethnicity in both the U S and Canada. They come up murdered as, um, more than any other ethnicity in the U S and Canada. Um, I've read figures and the same thing goes for Mexico, uh, and Peru from what I read. Um, and so these are the, obviously that's a community safety issue. Um, and then you also have, um, Elders who may try to go and do it, but they can either hurt themselves, they or they can get injured and maybe not get help. Um, so there is a safety issue when it comes to that as well. Um, and then obviously poverty, which people can see with Flint. Um, and then if you're not aware of the Navajo Nation and um, the poverty that a lot of our um, community that our community faces, um, please try to educate yourself. I don't have all the information um but you know just use our good friend google um and just try to look it up because it is um a pretty bad problem um if i had if i was rich i would try to help as many of us as i could um but like in regards to poverty like access to quality water is obviously like a fundamental to like a better living standard and economic growth um so like without economic activities because of the lack of water that means higher poverty levels and poorer living standards you know
1: yeah everything is interconnected
0: Yeah, that's what I I feel like that's what I always try to tell people now, because like I didn't always know this, like I'm not some like guru, like this is just things that I've learned, Um, like I've learned a lot basically just us doing this podcast because there are things that i wouldn't even really think about you know um also because you ask questions or like you tell me questions then i'm like okay like what what so i look it up and like these are things that i didn't even know um but yeah i think that's all we have for today right
1: yeah maybe Um, i think we've depressed the world enough Uh (laughs) yeah But these are all issues that we should be educated on. Like, it sucks. The world does suck a lot. But it's better to know than to live in ignorant bliss. Although that does sound yes. nice sometimes.
0: <laughs> it does. Just to not have any care in the world. But then it also kind of sounds depressing, too. Because then you don't know what's going to happen. So you could be chilling on your couch and then all of a sudden... The temperatures increase and then you die.
1: I mean, but then you die happy because you didn't know.
0: I guess that's true.
1: <laughs> I don't know, but it's always better true. to be educated. It...
0: Yeah. The whole not not caring about anything couldn't be us. Couldn't be you, listeners. Couldn't be you, couldn't be us. Because otherwise you wouldn't be listening to this podcast. <laughs> exactly.
1: You're here but... to expand your knowledge on climate issues, right?
0: <laughs> yes, that's exactly why. And we hope that that's what we're doing for you so please share this um subscribe download
1: follow our instagram talk climate change to me change to
0: me yes do all of that please um and let's help educate some more people
1: yes share this with like three people and yes one tree
0: oh yeah go hug a tree please go Go hug hug as many trees as you can yes
1: go hug some trees Um, and tell them that you love them and you appreciate them i don't know
0: yes (laughs) and then also follow our instagram because we're going to be doing a giveaway yes soon
1: finally yes
0: (laughs) finally it's been a long time coming but we are so follow follow our instagram all right bye Bye. all right bye Bye. everyone